0: Okay, so we are going to continue my uh, tour of whiteness today. Let's talk about it. <laughs> So when I say tour of whiteness, oh, right, my name is J.P.B. Gerald, Dr. J.P.B. Gerald. Uh, this is on Standardized English, and we talk about the racially, linguistically, and neurologically minoritized. Uh, so one of the things I've been doing here that you are probably aware of is that I have been doing this global tour of whiteness. We had an episode with a woman from Finland, and we talked about whiteness there. I had an episode with a woman from Oregon, and we, had, we talked about whiteness there. Uh, I had an episode with... I mean, I've had other episodes of people where it comes up, but specifically I talked about whiteness in the UK recently. And now I want to dig into a different... Oh, I talked about whiteness in Canada, right? That doesn't mean I'll never go back to those places, right? One person is not uh, exactly a statistically significant sample size. But uh, I'm not a quantitative researcher, so I don't care. I just want to tell these stories. So today we're going to talk about... Whiteness in Wisconsin. I am interested in talking about whiteness in the Midwest. Wisconsin is interesting because that's a purple state. I think the colors are silly because every state's really a purple state when you think about it. There's no state where 90% of people are one thing and 10% of people are another, right? Even in, uh, you know, like it seems like Texas is a red state. And it is because of the people who tend to win. But like, you know, even in these, even in a blowout in texas like you know democrats get like 40 42 percent of the vote right even in florida where DeSantis wins by a ton he's still he's not getting 90 percent of the vote this is not like a you know a a sham election like a putin or something like that i'm not saying they're not trying to rig stuff but they don't rig stuff in that literal way so the point is every state's a purple state but i am interested in the way that whiteness works in every place because that is my research subject right my research subject white listeners is you In fact, if you, listener, would like to come on here and talk about whiteness in your area, uh, think about the places that I've talked about. So Finland, the UK, Canada, soon-to-be Wisconsin, and Oregon. Uh, And if you're from any other place in the world and you're white, tell me a a white place though, right? Uh, Tell me, come on my show and tell me about the whiteness there. Okay. Uh, There is a Patreon for the show. I'm not super hyped about it. It doesn't really matter that much to me, but if you feel like you would like to support what I'm doing here, it's a small show. There's not that many of you listening. So if you do contribute, you will have an actual impact on it. Um, Any new New contributors will be mentioned on the show. I haven't had a new one in a while, so that's why I don't mention anybody recently. Uh, but yeah, then then the please do buy the book. The book is out there. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, and that's that. All right. So let's talk to my friend Grace from Wisconsin about what it's like being white there and how white people be in Wisconsin. All right. So I'm here with my friend Grace and we're gonna talk about Wisconsin. Uh the Midwest I suppose in general, but Wisconsin in particular. Um the reason and I've said this in the introduction is of course I'm doing this sort of tour of whiteness around the world. Uh I did I think the order was I did Finland, uh I did Oregon and I did the UK. Um I did I think that's it. No, Canada. I did Montreal um, oh, cool. and aspects of that. Uh, so not that I can't go back to these places, um, but I'm just sort of trying to give the audience a flavor of different aspects of whiteness, which some of which are going to be very similar and some of which are going to be different. But Grace, if you could just say hello to the folks and uh then we'll sort of talk about this.
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Grace. I... I'm from Wisconsin. I've lived here my whole life. And um been around a lot of white people, so <laughs> I know what they're up to.
0: Yeah. Wisconsin is one of the states I haven't been to before actually. I've been really? to I've been to Illinois. Um well Chicago. Um I've I, I had a layover in Minnesota airport. That didn't really count. Yeah. And that's as close as I've gotten. I mean I guess technically technically Michigan borders it in that way and I've been to Michigan. But that's not
1: Yeah. That's not, it's not really um good. Chicago's pretty similar to where I live, but it's just a lot bigger. So if you know if you've been there, it's not a big difference.
0: Yeah. So white people. Um <laughs> you are, are a white person. They don't they don't know yeah. that. Right? <laughs> um And I guess I'll ask you sort of the question that I asked my people in my dissertation study, which was like sort of at what point did you sort of truly understand what it meant to be white? Which, I mean, I'm certain at some point in your schooling you had to fill out a form. I'm not talking about that. Like you knew you were white literally because you found out at some point from a form or something. But to truly understand what it meant –
1: Um, probably sometime in high school when I really started to kind of want to learn about that stuff, like, I was always aware that there were, like, some differences, like, as a kid, but, like, really knowing about it is when I decided to do my own research, you know, I, um, When I was in high school, I started using social media a lot, and so I would see what people were saying about things that were going on. Um, I was in high school from, like, 2013 to 2017, so a lot of stuff happened in that time that I would see on Twitter and on Facebook, and I kind of realized I I had some, like, distant family that was very conservative that was always putting their opinions on Facebook and stuff, and I kind of realized I didn't really agree with what they were saying. Um, And it made me want to, I knew what, I knew I didn't agree with what they were saying about issues regarding race, but I couldn't really articulate why. So I, I did research to figure out why I really felt like what they were saying was not right. And that obviously continued in college. I went to a really liberal college that talked about social issues a lot in class, so it's been a journey since I was a teenager, pretty much.
0: Um, It's it's interesting to me because I asked the people in my dissertation study that question, and everybody had a similar but different answer, which is to say, it's not like they all said 10th grade They They didn't all say exactly the same year, <laughs> right? But they all said in some way that they – something happened that made them more aware of it and um it allowed them to sort of take a step back and think about how they might have wanted it to be, right? And I think that um what's different about the people I spoke to for my dissertation you is really their age. I'm not gonna reveal yours, although you kind of did by saying what years you were in high school um you are? but you know you know no, I'm just saying in the sense that they were older than you, okay, so by that, I mean, like me, they didn't have social media in high school um, social media, if you probably Facebook being the first one started when I was in college um mm-hmm. or my freshman year of college, actually, and um, I'm just thinking about. What it would have been like for me, or I guess my friends since I'm talking about white people um to have been experiencing all this stuff uh what was going on between two thousand three and two thousand seven, which you know you were a small child uh yeah. but you know we we Facebook didn't become like a face where people argued until I was much older, yeah, uh, like 2008 two thousand nine really you know i just i didn't really go on there even obviously people made political posts before that because for reasons that i no longer understand i did have republican friends in college i i have grown <laughs> out of this but um so that means you know i would see cuz back then it, you you understand you were was a child but the, <laughs> the it was there was so little to do on there back then like they had only just created the chat the chat was like 2009 or something. And so everything was on this wall. That's it. And nothing was private. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. And so my point is I would see this person is in the, like, Republican person for president in 2008 group, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, I didn't, like, go in that group and argue with them. Like that, you know, and the only time I saw anyone say anything ugly politically on there was after Obama won, a couple people said some stuff and I was like, interesting. (laughs) Didn't expect that. Uh, not just like disagreeing, but just like weird stuff that has nothing to do with anything. And I was like, people, people have some ideas. and then I started arguing on Facebook in like 2009 when I was living overseas because I had nothing better to do. And that's, I think white people argue on Facebook or any social media because they have nothing better to do. <laughs> it's not, it's not a useful endeavor to be arguing on social media. The point I'm making about it is that I wonder, given there were, there wasn't nearly as much research out there about whiteness specifically when I was in college is my point. Um, obviously, I went and got a whole doctorate, but like, it, it, still, even though I'm consuming it differently now, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't, um, even though I'm consuming it differently now, the only reason I'm able to consume what I'm consuming is because more stuff has been done, is my point. Yeah. We were much earlier in research on, not race, cause that's old, but specifically targeting Aspects of whiteness, there were some, obviously, but we were still, we were still only a few years after white privilege as a term was like created. You know, that's not, it's an old term now. It's older than you, but in the 2000s, it wasn't very old. So, and, and you couldn't even get people to say that. Yeah. Like back then. You know, so it's, um, I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about where would I have ended up if I was arguing on social media back then. Because my point I'm making is that the time when you were on social media in high school and in college and so forth, um, enough research had been done that certain things reached the mainstream that wouldn't have reached the mainstream when I was younger. hmm and I think that what happened is that, as, has happened at through your, I guess, adolescence and early, early adulthood. So from like 2014 to now is like, it has become harder and harder to be fully color evasive. People used to call it colorblind, but it's not a great term because it's, you know, it's being mean to blind people. Uh, but like, you know, you can't say the "I don't see color" thing anymore. That yeah. doesn't mean that everybody's become anti-racist. Some people have just decided to just be more racist. But <laughs> it's it, you can't you can't say "I don't see color anymore." It doesn't work.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: And what's interesting is that the whole era of being "quote unquote" colorblind or color evasive which is kind of like a 1970s thing. It's kind of where it came about, um, the I don't see color thing, Um, because it comes about at a time when saying I don't see color meant I don't even see you as black, so therefore I will still hire you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then it gets expanded into everyone is the same. And then that's, of course what was around when I was born and people, you know, the people I spoke to in my dissertation when they were, they're probably a few years older than I am or around my age. So all of us were raised when that was the, you know, the ideal, the color evasiveness. And now I think that kids, they're either going to end up more like you or they're going to end up the worst. <laughs> I feel like there's no middle ground.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what way we're going. Um, I'm not on TikTok even, so I don't really even know what what they're all seeing now, but I know there's some really dangerous corners of it, and I don't know what they're seeing.
0: So let's talk about Wisconsin, though, because that's why I asked you to be here.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My dog's barking.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) It's
0: because he had something stuck on him for a few days. Oh. Yeah, it, was a, it was in a sensitive area. No. And I just had to get it off.
1: What is his name? And Neptune. Aw. Hi, Neptune.
0: He's here, but I have this background on. Yeah, anyway.
1: I believe you. <laughs> um.
0: So, anyway. So, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um. I've heard good things about UW-Madison. I'm not saying that's where you are. I'm just saying a part of it that I've heard of. You know, uh, sort of a just a nice college thing. And in fact, one of the people I interviewed for my dissertation was an academic in the state of Wisconsin. Okay. Um, But to me, and you can tell me the image that I have, if it's correct or not, is not too different from sort of the image of Minnesota, except I guess with more cheese. But um, this sort of Midwest nice. Yeah. Which is on the surface of things that can be good or bad. But the surface yeah. is all nice and then under the surface. And I know the way that that intersects with racism in a lot of ways. So I guess you could tell me your impression of that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think Midwest nice is different than like Southern nice um I haven't been to the south a lot but just from you what I you just you just went to Texas though. I, I go to first time really I went to Georgia as, like a kid but I didn't know what was going on so Texas was my first time and like people will say about both areas that like oh everyone's so nice but I think it's a very different like it's not really necessarily like hospitality here it's more just like being friendly I guess like people will strike up a conversation with you at the grocery store or, like Hold a door open for you or like, like a friend of mine, she said she went to Philadelphia for a vacation and her mom held the door open for someone at the gas station. And the person that her mom held the door open for was like, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it's just holding the door open because that's what you do. Um, people will just talk to you and, and comment things to you. And sometimes it's really nice and. Sometimes I'm quite introverted, so sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk to strangers in public, but they'll do it. So I think it's more of a friendliness than maybe in other places. You just don't want to be, you don't want to be mean. You don't want to be too much. You don't want to cause any problems, which can cause problems itself.
0: Uh-huh. You knew what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> You know, not wanting to cause any problems, not wanting to rock the boat. But what what do we do when the boat is fucked up? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was raised... I went to a school that was like that. It was interesting. We thought we were very progressive. And in some ways we were. We didn't have letter grades. The first time I got a letter grade was college. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like they would tell you what you got wrong on the test, yeah. you know, but like your, your grade for the, for the year or, or the semester or whatever was not a letter. It was like a page or page of writing. Um, Okay. Interesting. No uniforms, you know, whatever, whatever. And then in other ways it was pretty conservative, not politically, but conservative in that they had a really specific idea of what achievement was. Even if it wasn't letter grades, um, they still had a very, their self-image was very important to them and remains important to them because I get their alumni stuff. It's my 23rd year this year. But anyway, I say that to say that one thing that happened in 2020, as you might have seen on if you were looking at Instagram or anything, was there were a bunch of schools, private schools like mine, that were having um, hashtags about things that had happened at the school. And mine said black at St. Ann's, which is where I went to school. Um, and it was just people basically posting stories of things that had happened to them and what the school had, had not done about it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I
0: think and I that, saw some Right. It was a but it was like the big private schools were a big part of it, right? Like there were some like the gossip girl schools, you know, they yeah. had these scandals, right? Um and like that was fascinating because I saw the um, The, one of those schools advertised for like a just, just diversity officer the next year when I was looking for a job. And it was just interesting to think about why they needed one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, but what was common about the incidents, the incidents were very different from one another because the students do a lot of different things. But what was common about the, um, but was common about the uh the response was that it was very don't rock the boat yeah don't rock the boat don't rock the boat and i think that that don't rock the boat be nice to everybody thing is genuinely something that can stop a lot of necessary Justice from happening.
1: Uh, yeah, completely.
0: I don't know. I'm just, do you, do you, can you think of any times when, um, in your life, you were, were where not rocking the boat has been really, uh, detrimental? What, I mean, whether it's your life or just things you've seen?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I mean, personally, I really hate that kind of strategy because I think it, impedes a lot of growth um in my family people don't like to talk about things sometimes um because it's just too much you know we don't need to talk about that we don't need to cause any problems um not not so much my immediate family but but like my parents family i saw that a lot and then it was like that like at um my high school i obviously was a very like rural conservative white area, just like farms, basically. And um, we had a mascot that was named after a Native American tribe. And um, when I was maybe not so much the beginning, even that was only a few years, but at the end of high school, some people started talking to like the admin and they were like, this is kind of a problem. Like, could we possibly talk about this at least? Like, there was a petition that went around, and, like, we had teachers talking about it in class, but I don't think anything ever came of it. I think the response was kind of like, you know, you guys had a right to bring this to us, but we also have a right to not do anything about it. And um, so I don't think anything happened. It's still the same now when I graduated five years ago. Um, I think the students who did it, like, there was a lot of support. There was, it was a big section of students that supported it and, a, and, a, you know, about half the teachers, but nothing came of it still. Um, which I thought was interesting. They weren't being, you know, violently like silenced, but everyone was kind of like, well, that's nice, but you know, why change it? We're all used to it and we don't mean anything by it. And, um, I think a lot of that kind of stuff happened in my high school. There were, you know, you'd hear about things like that happening, but then everyone would just be like, "You know, it's fine, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> I
0: had a friend who was in the South, and she had she she was the person who tried to start a petition to she calls it re- retire the red Raider yeah, um and uh she has a job that's not related she doesn't even live in North Carolina anymore, but um. She's just trying to get her school to change the name, and a lot of schools have, and you know, but then you get the people who, where the administration is either someone, people who actually just disagree with you themselves, or they agree with you, but don't feel like they can risk the wrath of the angrier community members who would, whatever, whatever. For sure. And I kind of find the second Group worse that not worse, like being actively racist is still worse than not stopping racism, like let's be clear, right mm-hmm. i it's, it's like when people say that the Democrats are worse than the Republicans because they can't stop the Republicans, and I'm just like, I'm not sure that's the same thing, <laughs> but, yeah. but like oh, yeah. like was you know um enabling things is not worse than doing things. That doesn't mean we should be enabling things. But anyway, so. Um, my point is the second group, the people who agree, but are scared. It's just cowardice, because here's the thing. If you. Try to do things to appease that group of people all the time. They're never going to be happy. They're mm-hmm. always mad. Like that's their ideology is grievance. So yeah. if you, if you try to appease the grievance people, you, <laughs> you're just going to be chasing them around forever.
1: Yeah. There'll always be something.
0: And they, they don't argue in good faith, you know, you know, they don't argue honestly. Right? And you're just like trying to appease them and you know, we'll all work across the aisle or some shit. And like, I understand sometimes you have to because of numbers, but like, it's ridiculous. Um, and you know, it bothers me because look, I'm not in a position where that matters. Right? I, that the jobs that I have, I don't have anyone I work with who's like that. And I don't have any like, Huge racist thing that we're doing that we need to do something about at my job. Mm-hmm. But at my last job, there were some things that happened and it was a problem because they basically said, Well, don't, don't, don't make us, sorry that was my eye, Here don't make uh, too much of a fuss about it. And then they tried to fire me. <laughs> um was not a good situation.
1: Yeah, jeez.
0: Now, you know that's not what they wrote on the thing, right? They didn't say he raised a point about racism. They they started to list a whole bunch of things that they had always been okay with that oh, okay. they suddenly were saying were bad because they were technically things that they had allowed. You know what I'm saying? But they allowed me verbally. So how was they gonna prove that they let me do it, right? Right. Anyway, um, well, I don't even know. I mean, like, because like the things on there, I did, I did the things, so like, I couldn't say I didn't do the things. It's just they, they, they had never cared, um, and then suddenly they cared. Right? And I also, it was kind of things where things that everybody was doing. That doesn't mean that, you know, we all shouldn't have been doing those things. I'm not, I sound like I'm talking about some horrible criminal enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I just I mean little things like, you know, what, like, um, the organization of our files, um, uh, the way that our, we were we created documents. This is so boring. and I just feel like I haven't explained it and it's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> i just i made it sound like we over there committing horrible crimes and you know no. we're all we're all just doing stuff that was okay
1: <laughs> and it's there's some stuff where everyone knows we're not really supposed to but no one's going to say anything and it's not stuff that's like it's not criminal it's just you know rule type things
0: yeah it's interesting um because I wonder about the workplace and stuff there. I don't mean your job, but just, like, workplaces there. Um Because I've been lucky here in New York. Not just New York, but the jobs I've had. Even the last job, they were not really interested in hearing what I had to say. But it still wasn't a place where you wouldn't find plenty of people of color working there. Right? Mm-hmm. Um And... Interestingly enough, the place that I worked that was by far the whitest was a, a non-profit that served mostly like Hispanic students and mothers. So, yeah, always a weird dynamic. I work for a non-profit now, but we do very different stuff and we have black leadership. So, um you know, it's not that. It's not, it's, it's rare, not, it's not rare to see some person of color in, in a position of authority, let's say. Um, right. But all of the places, I mean, when I worked at that other place, like it's really just sort of isolating. And so I guess I'm wondering, you know, you've known people of color there. Have they told you some of their experiences and, you know.
1: Yeah. Like um, about how
0: isolating it must be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I where I work. Um all of my managers actually are people of color. Um and most of my coworkers are. Um, so that's it's not weird in my job either to, you know, see a person of color in a position like that, like you said. And um it's interesting. Um one story that was interesting to me that isn't, I don't know how much it has to do with whiteness really, but I have a manager who is Asian and his family came here when he was young and like he's ESL, English is a second, lang- second language. And, um, he, he remembers once like corporate came to talk about like our clients and what we were doing. And I don't know. I know some of them weren't white. I don't think they were all white, but a lot of them were kind of more deferring to, um, my boss, who's black and asking him about his experiences with, you know, the population we serve and with racism and how that plays into it. And, and my other manager was getting frustrated because he felt like he couldn't speak on his experience as like an Asian person, um, living in pretty much the same exact area, um, and I heard this story and I just, I thought that was interesting because he felt that maybe like people were assuming he didn't have anything to say. That he had never experienced anything like that. Um, and I know he's felt that way before where he's felt like, I, I think people don't ex- expect me to have any experiences in that way because I'm Asian, I'm not black or Hispanic or something else. So yeah, I mean, about
0: Sorry, I thought you were done. Oh, you're good. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that's a really important thing to think about. I talk about this a lot in my talks and other places, but racism as a system affects all of us. It affects white people, too. It's not, like, good for white people. Um, And there's different flavors of it. For some people who have a very superficial understanding of it it's still just like white people chasing down black people and doing terrible things now that clearly happens (laughs) that hasn't stopped but not only is it not just that because it's not just interpersonal but it's also all the different groups Uh, what people don't really understand very well unless they do the, the research is that Every flavor of racism is similar but different, and so if people want to be specific about something, they should say anti-black racism or anti-Asian racism or whatever the group is, because that makes it hard for people to to have a nuanced conversation about right. these things. Um, and you know, it would I can see, and, and here's the thing. It's, it's a shame that that nuance is missing because all of our groups need it. Uh, we need the solidarity to work together. But it just ends up like if I'm a black person who experienced really horrible racism in the, that city, uh, and I'm just trying to fight for my own rights, uh, I can see how you could, your vision can get clouded. And you can say, this guy doesn't need this help.
1: Right. You kind of get blinders on.
0: And as Toni Morrison once told us, racism is a distraction because it keeps you from doing your work. And uh, that – I really didn't want to research racism, and I've said this a lot on my show. I didn't want to have to. I felt like I had to. You know, I I really was not planning to do this. In fact, this show was not supposed to be explicitly about racism. It was more about language. I mean, language and racism, but it was more going to be about language than anything else. I still talk about language sometimes, but um, <laughs> the listeners are like, I wish you would talk about language again. <laughs> Cause I listen to your language show. It's not really about language anymore. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll get back to it. I have a language person in the next episode. Everybody, relax. Um, but, oh no, is she a language person? No, she's like a neurologist. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's both. So she's a psycholinguist. So that's close. Okay. There's language in there. We'll see what happens. Ah. But anyway, um, that like of nuance the solidarity you know these things that are needed for these groups to to get free you know i wanted to just research language because i was a language teacher right and i just kept running into racism in the research both in what it, in what was being researched and in the racism of the researchers mhm and Again, I hadn't done the work I'd done now to understand this, but I still had a great enough understanding that, like, it just kept showing up. And I I had to make a choice. I was either going to have to make a concerted effort to just ignore it when it wasn't the subject of the research, or I was going to have to lean into it. Yeah. And the exploration of those like am I gonna do this or that, this or that, this or that. The explanation the um the deliberation of 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 all those things um is what led me to just focus on race and racism and everything.
1: Right. That's
0: but you know, there's there's a lot in there. You know, it's interesting. But it's still a heavy thing to be talking about all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I can imagine. There's really no, like, escaping it. And not only, like, do you deal with it personally, but then you have to go to deal with it professionally. And it's, like, your job to deal with it. There's not much of a space to ignore it.
0: You know, I used to try to ignore it. Um, I used to try to ignore it. Uh, I think your, your mind tries to ignore it if you can. Because sometimes it's just really too much to deal with. Yeah, I imagine it's the same for you as a woman for other reasons. But, like, um, because if you truly think about it, it's kind of mind-boggling.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, sometimes I do think a little bit too long about just, I don't really know how to phrase it. I don't want to say the things I can't do, but, like, the limitations that are on me just because I'm a woman. Sometimes I think about that and I just it makes you angry. Um. So I I I get that at least a little bit. It's not fair, and you you just have to deal with it. And for what?
0: And, you know, I've done enough research now. To know. It doesn't have to be this way. Mhm. And. I, I would love it to be a situation where I would, I would feel safe where you grew up. I don't want I don't want to live there. That's not because of anything you said. I just don't really like rural areas, mostly yeah. for the for these same reasons. Um, you know, some people get scared when they come to big cities. I get scared when there's no people around.
1: <laughs> I have to be so used to it, but now that I live in the city, I completely agree. I don't think I will ever move back to the country. Because I just always tell people, I'm like, if something happens to you in the city, there's a good chance somebody saw it. Some people are around, but if something bad happens to you in the country, you're all alone. And that is really scary. I completely get that now that I have lived here a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, all the true crime stuff, right? It's always half the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, It's always (laughs) like, this white girl was killed. Who did it? Right, exactly. it's every it's every story. And I put out
1: to City, like thirty people saw it. <laughs> Their retelling is accurate. That's another thing. But they saw it,
0: right? Um. So you know, but the funny thing is, like when I go, when I used to go on vacations, you know, before my son and all that, like what I because now it's like when we go somewhere, we got to go someplace that he would. He could enjoy it, right? Yeah. So well, when I used to go on vacations, I used to try to go to the, like, most remote place possible, but not in the United States is the thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, when I was, like, living in Asia, you know. Okay. I always wanted to do things by myself because, you know, I was pretty lonely. And there were a lot of people I used to go to parties with there, but I didn't have any friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had a couple of people who eventually became friends after we came home and we continued to be friends. But like, you know, you really, really develop friendships. So it was just parties there. I mean, like, yeah, I had a job. But like, during the week, we didn't see each other. And then we'd just hang out on the weekends. So every time I would go away, I'd go somewhere by myself. So I went to Bali. You know, oh. I literally went there because I didn't know where it was. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, all of my Quote unquote friends, the like party guys were going to like Thailand because that's the most popular country to go to there. It's got the most built up tourist industry. Okay. Yeah. And you know, that movie, the beach with Leo DiCaprio, like this, you know, Thailand. So, you know, they talk about in, yeah. meet the parents. They're going to Koh Samui, That's like in Thailand, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. and Thailand, I'm sure is great, but I said, I'm not going there. Everybody else is going there. So, <laughs> so then I said, where, I said, where is Bali? And I realized it was an island in Indonesia. And then I said, I should know that. And then I memorized when I was a little kid, I knew all the countries in the world. Yeah. And all the capitals. Um, and I forgot. <laughs> so, uh, I sat down and I memorized the countries again. <laughs>
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I got really into doing this website called Sporkle. that's just like quizzes before like buzz, like a quiz, like a trivia, not like a BuzzFeed thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, but so many places have overtaken them because like they were the only site you could do that. I used to make quick quizzes on there. And, uh, yeah, anyway, Wisconsin. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, the impression I have is so basically you're telling me my impression from afar isn't really that far off um, in terms of the sort of service level friendliness, but I do appreciate what you said here that was useful to me, which is that the the uh it's a different surface level nice from southern like that to me is probably the major insight here that i wouldn't have been able to come up with myself because i've not been there um i mean i've met people from there but um because southern nice like you said is very based in hospitality right Um, and yours is more about just what not upsetting people
1: you don't want to inconvenience anybody you don't want you don't want to come across as rude pretty much ever um not really like like there's the joke i don't know if it originates in the midwest but i've heard on the internet you know the joke of like a midwestern goodbye is like it takes a half an hour to say goodbye to people because you it feels mean to just be like well i want to go home so i'm going to go home now you need to, like, gear up to it and, like, hint for 15 minutes that you want to leave. And then and then the person, like, waits a little bit to get the hint so you don't feel like you're being rushed out. And then you stand at the door and you talk and you finish things up for, like, 20 minutes. And then it's like, oh, well, I better get going. And then you give each other hugs and everything. And then you leave. And um it's just, it's like so that the, the person who's there doesn't feel like they're being shoved out. And the person who whose house you're at doesn't feel like you're trying to, like, leave. And so there's a lot of stuff like that that happens that's just, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to seem inconsiderate. I don't want to seem rude. And I don't want to rock the boat, pretty much.
0: You know, people have this impression of New Yorkers as being rude, right? What we are is impatient. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more like we got somewhere to go. Please move out of the way. If I have time, I make a habit. I just walk around my neighborhood sometimes when I'm with my dog and I see people lost because there's a lot of hotels in my neighborhood.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: like like on like I literally live above a hotel, right? But my okay. building my building is floors fifteen to thirty and the hotel is floors two to fourteen. Oh cool. Uh, so um, and then there's a hotel next door, and they're building another one. So there's a lot of people who come to to New York who stay in my neighborhood. Um, and You see a lot of them for, like, big things like Marathon and that sort of thing. Um, but that means I'm always giving people directions, and I love doing that. And I want them – first of all, I want them to have a good impression of New Yorkers, and second of all, I want them to get where they're going because New York – is actually pretty easy to get around if you can navigate the subway because the streets are just numbers. You know,
1: you know. Yeah. But um, there's a demo yeah. I need to do that, so I was laughing. He's like, "How <laughs> to lost in New York? It's a grid system."
0: <laughs> I've seen that setup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, all right, Grace, so if you have any final uh, sort of ideals, uh, an impression of Wisconsin you'd love to give people about, you know, I guess if you could impress upon anyone um, your impression of whiteness in Wisconsin altogether.
1: I think just from my experience, um, It's similar to just what you see a lot, like, in the country. A lot of it seems to be a city versus rural kind of divide. Like, um, the big cities are kind of where people are more open to different ideas and stuff. But I think there are a lot of people here who don't really like how things are and they want to change it. A lot of people my age and younger, I think especially with the Internet, it's so much easier to be exposed to those ideas that you wouldn't have or you wouldn't have until you went to college. Like I'm sure there are a lot of people who are in my high school right now that are willing to take a stand against things that they weren't even when I was there 10 years ago. Um, I think there's lots of people who are not proud of a lot of the things that Wisconsin has stood for and a lot of people that want to change it. So um, you know like people say about the south you know we're not all just like conservative like there are a lot of people who want to see change happen and who are working towards it they do exist and that's trying to do
0: you know I think we we always say red states and blue states purple states because Wisconsin is purple I guess but um Every state's purple when you think about it, because in a a presidential election. With the exception of like Wyoming and Washington, D.C. or whatever, even the states where one side wins by a lot. What are they getting, 65 percent? You know, that's still a third of the people (laughs) who are doing something differently, even in New York. You know, now there are absolutely very progressive and very conservative counties.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, there's
0: counties where you could, you could win 80-20 or something like that, right? Uh, but like you could see like the percentages in Philadelphia or in New York or where closest to where you are. Um, but there's definitely people worth fighting with and for in every state. I think yeah. I would say.
1: Absolutely. Like the city I went to college in, um, very, conservative city but the college was almost completely liberal and it was a bunch of people who were not happy with the way things were going in the city i lived in and um so they exist everywhere Uh, i think sometimes the minority is just very very loud yeah as in people with the with the scary ideas people on the fringes like the alt-right is so loud but there are a lot of people who don't agree with that and don't want it to happen.
0: I hope for your sake that it works out okay over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I try to do that and I I'm very careful about who I'm friends with these days.
0: I think we all have to be.
1: Yeah.